What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Byler Bomb Show. I am your host, Austin Byler, and today we have a very special guest, Carson Lee. He'll be joining us later, really bringing a lot of great insight, a lot of great wisdom about the game of baseball, about how to deal with failure, and about how to handle adversity, something that we all could use in our lives. Remember to go check out Major League University. We are a baseball training platform focusing on the mental side of the game, really helping youth athletes and college athletes figure out what makes them tick, how to handle failure, and how to peak perform on and off the diamond. We're super excited to bring you guys some more information about Major League University and everything that we're doing in the communities and bringing this world together as our goal is to impact over a million kids in this world. So stay tuned for some more, and I hope you guys enjoy. Guys, welcome to the Byler Bomb Show. I'm your host, Austin Byler, and today we have a very special guest, Carson Lee. This dude is a beast, man. He started his own podcast recently, the Down in the Dirt Podcast, uh, something that's been awesome. He's had about five or six episodes now, really just getting the positive message out of baseball and just helping youth athletes, helping kids. And I think our paths have aligned here for a reason because he wants to do some big things in this world and help change the way and the culture of baseball to a more positive outlook and just help kids, inspire them, help them get to the next level, play college and and have an understanding of what it takes to get to that level. And now he's playing professional baseball, played a couple years indie ball now, going out to Florence in the Frontier League this year and just a super exciting future for this guy um, not only on the field but off the field so Carson man I'm super pumped to have you on the show awesome my man what's up long time no talk <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was just yesterday we were on each yeah, other's show man. but it kind of was <laughs> yeah man it was just a few days ago but yeah do you hit that right on the head of everything you just said I think for me you know I guess as we're gonna dive into here on the podcast but I just I've taken such a long road um, and so many just sacrifices and long hours, you know, put into the grind that I wanted to give that back to people, to kids and parents or just whoever needs the guidance just to kind of show them, that, you know, hey, that um, there's a way to get to where you want to be, um, you know, kind of clear that, that path for them so that they kind of have an understanding of how to get there. So you hit that spot on with the purpose there, man. That's, that's completely accurate. Dude, it's incredible to see, like, you've had a crazy journey that we'll get into here in a minute, but, like, you keep pushing and and you don't let adversity put you down, and you're helping parents, helping families, and that's just something that, like, more people need, because right now there's so much information out there, and I think the parents now are bombarded with it, and um, I said this on an earlier podcast, but it's, it's like you have all this information, but a lot of parents don't know what to do with it, and they don't know the process, and they don't know like the best team to go to, the best youth athletic organization, and then college and all that that comes with it. So having you on the show, man, to shine some light on that, I'm I'm freaking pumped up. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am too, man, because I feel like adversity and failure, you know, as, as people look at those things so negative, negatively, um, but for me, man, those have been some of the most positive things I've had happen to me, and I completely embrace uh, failures and adversity. So um, really to kind of share that message with people and just that it's okay to fail, it's okay to go through adversity, and then like you said, you know, just give that guidance, um, especially to, you know, this aspect of the game. I mean, I know there's a lot of information out there right now, you know, mechanically how to hit, mechanically how to field, but I feel like it's not – this direction of information of just you know, how to kind of get into high school ball, travel ball, college ball, professional ball, 
kind of the things that go on behind the scenes, those kind of aspects of it. And that's really what I want to provide, um, just to maximize careers, just get the, the experience that we both you and I have had. Absolutely, man. It's incredible. I'm super pumped to get into this. So let's like just dive in. Uh, tell us a little bit about your career and, and the adversity that you faced. You're, you're now in independent baseball, so you're playing professionally, which is incredible, uh, an amazing accomplishment. Now, it wasn't that easy to get there, and it's still probably not easy to stay with it. So kind of take us through that journey, man. What has it taken to get to this level? Yeah, man, uh say it, it's been easy is like completely opposite of the spectrum because it's not been easy like i said it's one of those things that i've embraced um so this is going to be my third year um, i spent the last two years um in the pecos league uh, out in california and uh that had two weeks in the can-am also uh, the canadian american association uh independent league up in the northeast uh, before that you know i graduated from prairie view a&m i did three years of prairie view I did a year at Tyler Junior College, which is where my college career started. Um, I ended up redshirting my freshman year at TJC, and that was probably you know the first time I really ever faced adversity for me of uh, having the game taken away from me. Uh, you know, I ended up going back for my sophomore year, and really I had a good fall. Um, I know you went to um, you know four-year university right off the bat, but man, going to junior college. The fall is such a grind because it's just baseball all day, every day. Oh, there's no um, time limit, is there? Yeah, on the practices, yeah, right? Exactly. There's there's no there's no NCAA rules on it, um, so it's you know just baseball nonstop. Which I mean, I loved it, man. I I embraced that. Uh, you know, went back to my sophomore year, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. And the guy that was actually. Uh, I was playing second base at the time. Guy that was going to be playing my position was a freshman all-star uh, the year before. So, you know, he pretty much had a secured spot. So, coach told me, you know, it wasn't going to be a room for me on the roster. So, I had to go find another school and I ended up transferring to North Lake Junior College. Played out that, that spring and then that's how I got the Purdue thing. Yeah, man. So, that's kind of, you know, what's been going on the last few years. You know, I come from a baseball family. Um, you know, my family is big into sports, especially baseball. Uh, my dad and his brother and my uncle both played baseball growing up. And my dad had an organization, you know, before I was even born. Uh, he actually coached my uncle. Oh, he wow. In college. Yeah, he coached him. They, they're six years apart. Uh, so, you know, when he was going in through high school and going through college, he coached him. And uh, my dad actually then wound up coaching Woody Williams, who played, you know, 20 years in the bigs with the Cardinals for the most part, and then Ben Weber also, who was in the Angels World Series team in 2002. Um, so, I mean, complete, being completely unbiased, man, I, I was very fortunate because my dad had some of the best baseball knowledge, and so once I was born and he restarted the organization, you know, uh, to be able to learn from him, that's... I was super blessed just to have, have his knowledge to be able to, to teach me the game. Um, so that was kind of my upbringing. And, you know, like I just said, you know, that was the college life. And I'm here today, 25 years old, and still fortunate enough to still be playing. Yeah, man. No, you're, you're trucking along. You're doing your thing. And it's incredible to see you kind of overcoming that adversity when there's somebody in front of you that has a spot and you're told to redshirt. Now you've got to come back and prove yourself each day and, and you can't take a day off. And in junior college baseball, yeah. like I didn't play it, but 
obviously I have a ton of friends who did, and I saw what goes on there, and it is an absolute grind. Like you were there more than professional baseball, it seems like. So yeah, like going through that, that's molded you today to kind of give back and help other people. I, I noticed you mentioned Woody Williams, and you're from Houston. I'm pretty sure Woody Williams is one of my good friends, Gally Cribs. Uh, wife's dad, which is kind of really? crazy. Yeah, so his daughter, Hannah, um, I think that's the correlation there. That's kind of crazy. I'm trying to think, you just you threw so many different relations there. Yeah, to let me simplify head. it. Woody Williams, his daughter, <laughs> Hannah, uh, and then Hannah's husband, Gally Cribs. He's with the Diamondbacks right now. Um, shout okay, out to Gally. Yeah, yeah, so I, I do know who that is. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, I did. I don't. I don't know him personally, but I know him just from my me and my dad talking. You know, Booker was dating someone who played professional baseball, so that was that's the connection actually of how I know him. Uh, I really don't know Woody's family all that well. I know his son Caden uh, just from playing against him, kind of growing up, and then I know Woody pretty well just from you know, like him, my dad, and my uncle would still get together and go out every once in a while and get together because my uncle played at University of Houston. Okay. Um, so, you know, okay. A bunch of bunch of old teammates they play with. They all get together and go out. So I go out with them just to hear all their stories. Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I've met his daughter before. That's kind of crazy, man. But what a Dude. small world. I guess you probably you probably play with him with the Diamondbacks. Yeah, man. We played together yeah. in the Cape Cod, and then we played with the Diamondbacks. And like, dude, unreal small world. Like the baseball world is so <laughs> close knit. Like these relationships, <laughs> so, man. Like, oh my, we hit so on it on. Dude, we hit on it on your show. Like, we got connected through social media, and now, like, I feel like we're boys, man. Like, I've talked to you yeah, on the phone dude. twice, and I'm like, I would just, you just, you know, good people when you talk to them, when you speak to them, you hear their heart, you can see it and feel their energy. So it's awesome to see, man. I love this baseball world and how interconnected it is, and how it brings us with so many different backgrounds in this world. Yeah, dude, for sure. We're all just one big fraternity. That's all it is. Absolutely, man. So let's get into that. After your college career, man, you get the opportunity to go and play independent baseball. Uh, the Picos League, for those of you who don't know, that is another grind. And it's a different <laughs> deal because you're not getting paid a ton of money to play there. You don't have the top-notch facilities. You don't have all of this glorifying, glamorous stuff that you think you see on social media from people. So... Take us through that, man. Like, like, how have you gotten through independent ball? How do you continue to push and give your best on a daily basis? Yeah, man. You know, for me, that was. Uh, you know, I graduated from from Prairie View in, in seventeen, um, and I had my red shirt year from my freshman year at TJC, and I also had another red shirt year because of two thousand sixteen. Uh, five games into the season, we're playing down at University of Texas at Rio Grande Valley. I'm playing right field, and I'm not a very experienced outfielder. I just started playing outfield, like, that fall. And uh, so I get in a collision and end up tearing my MCL and partially tearing my ACL. So my season was done. And really, for me, that was kind of my make-or-break season. Like, I, if I would have had a good year, I might have had a chance to get, to get drafted. Um, it would have been, you know, something late, just a, a plane ticket type of opportunity. I wasn't going to be no top prospect, but... Uh, that was kind of my make or break in year. And so I had, I had, like I said, I ended up graduating from PD and I had an extra year to go back to school. And so for me, it was just like, man, I don't really want to go back to school and be 23 or 24, however old I was at the time, and just be this old senior 
still playing college baseball. I'm trying to also figure out a different uh, subject to get my master's in. And so I was really just kind of over it. So we went to the conference tournament, lost to the semifinals, and basically within a week, I had enough time to get home from Louisiana where the conference tournament was. Uh, me and my family went to Vegas for a graduation trip. And when I got back, we went in the middle of the week. We got back on like a Friday. Uh, the coach from Monterey, California, the Monterey Amberjacks, called me. Said they were, were needing a guy. Uh, you know, heard I was looking to play. Said, hey, like, can you come out here? I said, yes. He says, well, how soon can you get here? And I said, immediately. Uh, so I packed my bags, and I ended up leaving on Sunday. Got there Tuesday. I got there at 4 o'clock. BP was at 4.45. So I got there, you know, just in time for wow. for BP. Yeah, and which, you know, it's pretty nice, actually, because in the Pecos on the, on the California side, it's really not that bad because the Bakersfield Stadium and the High Desert Stadium, which is where I played my first game, they were both old affiliated stadiums. So they were pretty yeah. well taken care of. Um, and then Monterey, where I was at, it was uh, all turf field, and it was right on the beach, so it was beautiful. Um, yeah, so I pulled up to the stadium, man, and going to the locker room, haven't met anybody, go straight to the field, take BP, and I'm thrown right into the fire playing third base. And, you know, it, it's the Pecos League, people, like, look down on it, but it's still professional baseball. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> so my, my introduction to professional baseball was uh, first at bat, I was thinking it was like 1-1, one, one and, and I broke my bat. Um, I fouled a ball off, freaking shattered my bat. And oh, no. I'm, like, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me because um, I just grabbed what I had at the house, you know, out of the garage. I only had like three or four bats laying around. I didn't really have time to go grab bats. So I'm like, damn, I've been out here one day, and I'm already down a bat. Um, <laughs> and so then, you know, a few pitches later, I get punched out on a borderline strike. I mean, it wasn't – thought it was out we'll call it a ball we'll call it a ball here (laughs) yeah man exactly so i ended up getting punched out and uh so i go out in the field to play at third base and it's a high sky first pitch first batter of the game for for them you know leading off the home home inning um it's a pop fly and it's in foul territory and and high desert kind of has those dugouts to kind of jag out into the field and then the back half of it kind of goes back into the stands. So it was kind of like that awkward area right there. Yeah. And it, the ball was just right there in that, like, Bermuda Triangle part of the, the stands and the uh, dugout where it eats. And I just completely botched it. It fell. And I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. A strikeout of just looking like an idiot on the fly ball. I was like, what an introduction. Yeah, uh, welcome to the game. Everything ended up working out because I ended up, so my first professional hit, first professional RBI was they were game-winning uh, line drive to right field, ninth inning. Uh, so can't complain too much. Everything ended up working out. But, yeah, dude, uh, you know, like, to me, you know, because I did have the opportunity to go up to the Can-Am, and I thought, you know, really the competition from Pecos to Can-Am, and it wasn't, it wasn't all that different. I think the, the biggest difference I noticed was more of, Guys were polished. They were experienced. They didn't make mistakes. Hitters didn't miss pitches. Um, pitchers could throw three or four pitches, four strikes. Um, you know, and I think that's the biggest difference between the Pecos and, and a league like the Can-Am, which is equivalent to high A, double A, kind of depending on who you're playing. Yeah. Um, you know, 
Mikos is, is more like rookie ball where it's just it's pretty wrong. There, there's still some good talent in there. Just guys have gotten overlooked. You know, Velocity was 88 to 91. Um, not really anyone there that's just going absolute kid. But, you know, Velocity's, Velocity's not bad. Guys can throw, um, you know, they have good hammers. Uh, it's just kind of just that polish. You know, like I said, just not being polished. You can get away with missing your spots. Uh, but, yeah, dude, it's a grind because – like you said, man, uh, the travel is, uh, you're, you're, some teams have vans, some teams um, you can drive yourself, so it kind of just depends. Personally, I'm not big on riding with people, so I was a, I'm a drive myself kind of guy. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so you're pulling up in your car and, and getting out and throwing your clothes on and going to play a game, so. Thank you for tuning in to the Bother Bomb Show. I hope you're enjoying today's podcast. I just want to give a quick shout-out to some of our sponsors. Harmony Bats, just an amazing bat company out of Charleston, South Carolina. Really just in it for the greater good of the communities, getting into communities, helping that next generation of athletes find some peace, find some love, find some happiness in their game, and just bringing that fun back to baseball. It's amazing to see what they're doing throughout the world, working on some amazing projects, and I'm excited to see what they have coming up next. Check out HarmonyBats.com and use code BILER to receive over 10% off your next order. And then we've got the Positive Vibe Movement. This is just an amazing movement as well, really helping raise awareness for mental health. Um, Mental health is so close to my heart and so dear to my heart that I just love this movement. I love what they're about, really helping raise awareness. Everybody's going through a struggle. Everybody has a story, and they're just really trying to help everybody in this world, help them find peace, find love, and find happiness as well. So go check out the positivevibemovement.com. Use code BILER to receive over 10% off of your next order. Make it tough. And at the end of the day, for me, it was it's baseball. It was an opportunity to play. It was an opportunity to start building a resume and getting your foot in the door. So that's kind of you know how it happened, how I was looking at it. Um, so that's why I took it and just started running with it. Definitely, man. Like you said, opportunity to get your foot in the door. You never know what can happen when you take the most out of your opportunities. And I think a lot of times we let fear hold us back. And we let fear yeah. of that unknown. Like you could have easily been in that situation and said, no, nah, I'll take the comfortable route. I'll go back to school for my uh, senior season, which has already been your like red shirt, red shirt senior season. So it's like a fifth year, basically, right? So it's like I have the opportunity to go chase my dream. I have the chance to go play the sport that I've always wanted to play at the highest level. And now, if I get my foot in the door, who knows? It only takes one person to see me, um, yeah. and one opportunity to arise to go make the most out of that. So I think that's awesome, man. You keep pushing for your dreams. It shows a lot of courage. And it shows a lot of strength for you to do all these other things while preparing for a baseball season. Because it's not easy, right? Like, take us through the offseason a little bit because we have to um, – I think so many times people from the outside, at least, they look in and say, oh, you guys play baseball for six months and you do nothing. Well, it's not like that. Like, we have to grind all year round, especially nowadays when you have people from all different countries coming over here to play for one organization, like the MLB. Um it's tough. The competition is high. So how do you take that work ethic into the off season, man? Like obviously now going into the next season. Yeah. See, and that's, that's my biggest thing. Um, for me, as far as getting my foot in the door, you know, just as well as I do in this game, the older you get, the smaller your window gets, because like yes. you said, you got all these people coming over from, you know, the, the foreign countries. And these guys are coming over at 16, 15 years old and they're, getting a chance to, to start developing whereas at 
for us, it's 16, 17, 18 years old. We're still in high school and then college. Like, you can't even sign until you're 18. Um, so they kind of get a head start on you. So the older you get, the smaller that window starts starts getting. Um, so that was really, for me, my decision was I want to get in as quick as possible. Um, you know, I got I have my degree, so I have a little bit to fall back on in a way. Um, so that was kind of where I was kind of looking at it from my standpoint. Um, and I was just over the college grind of, you know, class, early work, just all the different stuff that goes into it. Yeah, yeah man. man. So the, the off season, you know, especially being, I think, an indie ball guy, uh, you have to be ready year-round. And so when people say that, you know, it's not a full-time job, man, I want to see you come do this. And I want to see you take off two months. Or no, take off four or five months and then take a month right before the season, get ready, and then go play for two weeks straight and see how your body feels. I yeah. guarantee you, you're going to feel like crap and you're not going to be able to touch 90, 95, probably not even 85. So when people say that, you know, this isn't a full-time job, like, let me see you do it then. Because you do. You have to be prepared year-round, um, especially, you know, like I said, as an indie ball guy, because you're still getting in front of people. Like, you know, sometimes someone may call and say, hey, like, the Red Sox scouts come in here, like, come work out in front of them. Or, you know, if you're looking for a job, you got to go get in front of coaches or get your name out there. Yeah. Um, so it's completely a full-time job. You know, for me, off-season, it's uh, – you know, making sure I'm getting my defensive work in, really starting with, with fundamentals, you know, at first, uh, just kind of getting back in a groove thing. Uh, for me, this year, I didn't even take a day off. I, I My day off was my drive home. Um, nice, two days, man. Yeah, two days driving home from California, got home, and I went to the gym that very next day, and then got into baseball routine, routine right after that. Um, partly for me, I, I don't like sitting around. Uh, I'm very ADD, so I can't sit still. But I also thought I was going to have a chance to go play in the ABL in Australia, so I was trying to make sure I was ready for that. That ended up falling through. Uh, but, you know, so for me, it was kind of like, okay, let me kind of just work fundamentals, get back in the groove of things, let me start hitting off the tee. And, uh, you know, as the, as the offseason develops, then you kind of get into more uh, game-like situations, taking live fungo or, you know, mass fungo. And getting into the cage and taking, uh, you know, soft toss, live arm, short live arm, and then eventually facing uh, live hitters or live pitchers. I mean, um, and, you know, in, in the weight room, I think it's just it's just about co- continuing to try to get stronger because um, your body just gets so worn down. I know for me, I lost I think 15 pounds. I was down to 170 when I got home, and I was about 185 to 188 when I left. Um, so for me, it was just getting that weight back, getting that strength back, and really building a foundation for that to continue getting stronger. Uh, you know, watching your diet, what you're eating, uh, maintaining mobility, getting flexible. So many different aspects that go into it. No, definitely, man. It's it's a whole well-rounded athlete. Like you, you've got to treat your body as your job, and the things that you put in your body is gonna be what you get out of your body and, and you're basically putting things into your engine so i like to think of it as like a car like if i have a yeah. regular if i have a mercedes and i require like some premium gas but i'm putting regular unleaded in, it's not going to run the same as if i put the right gas in it so same thing as our bodies if we aren't putting the right nutrients in our body to recover and to get better and to take that next step then we're not going to play better we're not going to perform better or feel better so that was something for me man i'm so happy you hit on that because 
I took that, uh, I took it kind of lighthearted in the beginning of my career. And then I saw how it affected me on the field. I was always sore. I was always hurting and tired and like taking naps and like, it wasn't the same. And then you start to take care of your body and put the right nutrient, like nutrients in your body and you start feeling better. And now you've got more energy and now you're playing better. You're like, Oh wow, I'm more alert. So you're big on social media right now on the like working out and the fitness aspect of thing. And I love that because I think it's so crucial for all of us to have that in our lives. It's, it's for me, it's like a, a getaway type deal. It's like my dojo. I go in there for an hour and just get my stuff done and, and like just vent, man, I feel good. And it helps your body feel good. So for you, like as an athlete, take these guys through what it takes to, to uh, the discipline for the nutritional side, as well as the physical side in the weight room. Yeah, so I mean, kind of jumping back to your beginning of your comment, I'm kind of I'm going to try and tie it all in together here. Yeah, but, definitely. You know, when I was in high school, like I, so I started working out my freshman year of high school. Uh, I got a gym membership to LA Fitness, but I didn't know what I was doing. I think for me, I went through a phase where I really kind of got bullied and picked on. So I had the normal story of let me go get a gym membership and just try to like that. That's my outlet, uh, and I just fell in love with lifting. So I, mean, I lifted all through high school, but. I was also the guy that me and my best friend, we would go lift, and then we're going to Taco Bell right afterwards because they had the 69-cent burritos or 89-cent, the five-layer burritos. And, dude, we would just kill those burritos. <laughs> so I wasn't I, – I was working out, but, man, I was not mixing my diet very well. Uh, in my junior year, I started I went to, I started going to a strength and conditioning performance program called the Metal Chapter. Uh, Shout-out to High Street. Uh, if they listen to this, but I started going there, and one of the best streets coaches in Texas, if not the country, and um, so they had, you know, major leaguers that were working out there uh, that really had a big influence on me. Michael Bourne, uh, Jason Bourgeois, Chris Young, Carl Crawford, uh, so I was around, you know, the big leaguers, and really seeing what they were doing in their off-season, how they, they prepped, and Jason Bourgeois, I think, was the biggest one for me, because he was... He was so personable, and me and him would talk every day. It really got to the point where our workouts were intertwining with each other, and even like our agility stuff, we were always partners or whatever. So we were pushing each other. So it was really cool from for, to be a junior, senior in high school, and you know, have a guy that's in the major leagues being this um, just down to earth and genuine. So that really set a big example for me of kind of what it takes and what you have to do. And uh, so I, you know, I got to. TJC my first year, and I think for me when it clicked was when I got redshirted. Uh, you know, mm, okay, because I never, I never had the game taken away from me. So to kind of give you like, I guess, an idea, I've never been the guy that's been the best player on his team. I've always had to work to be to, to, to for my talent or, or my ability. I've never, you know, they say when you get to pro ball, you're playing with the guy that everyone's been the best player on their team. But with, with me, that's not been the case. Um, okay. So, you know, for wow. me, I think having the, the, the game taken away from me in junior college and kind of having the perception that I was working hard, which I was, but there's, there's a difference between working hard and, and pushing that limit, you know. And so I got the game taken away from me, and I remember the day so, so vividly because I left the coach's office, man, and I was bawling my eyes out. And right around the corner from our campus, there was a Little League complex, and I went straight from coach's office to the Little League com- complex, called my dad, talked to him for 30, 45 minutes, just telling him about the situation. Um, 
and we got off the phone, and I sat by truck for like 15 minutes, and I had two decisions I could have made. I, I could make the decision where it's going to be poor me, uh, why me, you know, feel sorry for myself, and kind of just, just being weak, curling into a ball about it. Or I could say, you know, screw this. Like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to get better. I'm going to improve. I'm going to work my butt off to make sure that I'm not the same player and I don't get the game taken away from me again. And so I took the better road and I made the decision that, you know, I'm going to make sure that this never happens again and I'm going to prove you wrong. Um, so, you know, I went straight and hit off the tee. I threw into a net, uh, threw balls off the wall to do short hops, ran around the complex. Man, I was gone for like three or four hours. Oh, my God. It was really, yeah, it, it was wild. It got to the point where my teammates were, were worried that I, like, they thought I let, I just packed my stuff up and went home. We were living in dorms. Um, so they thought I just packed my stuff up and went home or, you know, like I, I did something. Like, they were worried because I had my phone turned off so no one could get a hold of me. Um, so I finally ended up showing back to the dorm, you know, that night. Like, oh, okay, everything's fine, whatever. But so the way the situation was, was I was kind of a fringe red shirt guy. So I was basically okay. the emergency backup guy. So if someone got hurt, my red shirt was getting burned. So because of that, the other red shirts, there was like five or six other guys that red shirted. They didn't have to practice or anything. All their work was on their own time. Well, coach told me, he said, I still want you to practice and, and take inner squad, inner squads so that you can stay fresh and, uh, you know, if someone gets burned or if someone gets hurt, I'm burning your red shirt and you're going in the game. So you're going to travel with us and everything. And really, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because I was able to get so much work in, um, you know, throughout that semester. But I just put another workload onto me because, like I said, I had that, that's what lit the fire under me. Uh, that's when everything changed. And so that semester, man, I was getting up at, 4:45, and our school gym opened at five, so I would go work out in the school gym. Um, and then I was the first one to practice every day, first one to leave, or last one to leave every day. Um, and then you know, obviously traveling with the team and doing all that stuff at the same time, and, and then managing school on top of it. And then that's really when I started honing in on my diet too. Um, mm, I started okay. learning about calories, carbs, fats, proteins, and how all that stuff intertwines and you know just the different nutrients and sources and uh, I started meal prepping I bought a little George Foreman you know one of those mini grills and oh yeah those I got, are money I, yeah dude it was freaking awesome I was making all kinds I was cooking for everybody in the dorm like after a month of having it because I, it was just, <laughs> like, I was using it so much but I, it got to the point where like the RA on our floor was like I would get, get in trouble for it because you know I'm cooking and we're not supposed to have any kind of microwaves or any, any stuff like that in our room so i was like having to hide it and be discreet about it and i got in trouble multiple times but i was like yo man like you're you're messing with my success yeah i need to feed it's my body like, the right things man Let's yeah go. exactly so you know that's that's when i started you know learning how to eat healthy and uh meal prepping and getting my vegetables uh, you know eating the right carbs eating uh you know, chicken and, and beef just all those things to really fuel myself um, and then, like you said, you know, having the, the fitness presence on Instagram, and like I said, starting working out when I was a freshman, fitness has always just been, for me, a second passion, uh, just because I fell in love with it in high school. Uh, so even though I'm kind of uh, off the wall with, you know, my 
I train, maybe it's not so much uh, baseball training. So, you know, people might look at me and get mad that, you know, I'm bench pressing or shoulder pressing. But I try to make sure I also stay as mobile and, and do my mobility as much as I can so that it doesn't hinder so much my performance on the field. But, you know, I, I, as I've grown older, I've learned different aspects of fitness and just how everything ties in. And, yeah, dude, so that's, you know, uh, it's, it's just having discipline, man, and knowing your goals and what you're striving for and knowing that those small things over time add up. So yes. you know, even if you're, you're eating healthy every day for two weeks, knowing that that's, that's preparing you for the future, um, you know, because that was one of my biggest deals, man. I've always been very uh, a loner, I guess, or, or I don't really roll with the crowd. Uh, I, I do my own thing. I don't have a problem with people judging me or saying, you know, why are you doing it? And so that was like, you know, college, I really went through that, like junior college and then at my university, man, like with like my food being one of them. Because I'm walking around Tupperware, with Tupperware to eat my food, like on the way to class, training class. And, you know, I got teammates saying, like, hey, let's go grab this from the restaurant. Like, oh, man, like I can't. Like, I, I prep, I prep my food. Like, oh, well, one day's not going to hurt you. I know it, it actually does. You don't understand how it all adds up over time. Yeah. Um, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna feel good either. Absolutely. So it's little things like that. Those little things, people don't really realize that those little things are actually what separate you. It's not the work you're getting in the weight room, or just because you hit for an extra thirty minutes off the tee. Like it's the little things and how you prepare. And that's kind of what I've built my theory or philosophy around over these last few years. Is I truly believe the success you end up having later on down the road comes in the way that you're preparing today. So the way you're preparing today is what's going to allow you to be successful six months down the road or, you know, when the baseball season starts, you know, for, for this example. But that's, that's my philosophy. Uh, what I've lived by now for the last, you know, since about my junior or sophomore year of college, uh, that's, that's kind of the way I, I've developed my mind. Yeah, no, dude, that's incredible. Like, to have that type of discipline at that young of an age is so tough. I mean, you were meal prepping before meal prepping was, like, a big thing, you know? Yeah. And now everybody yeah. seems to be trying to do this meal prep, but it's real because whatever you put in your body, man, is how is how you're going to feel on the field, and it, it really does. One day is going to affect that. I remember, like, I started taking my fitness a little more serious here probably these last two years, and, and not just fitness. I always worked out, but – it was more the nutritional side of things. And once I started to eat healthier and then I would go have a bad meal. So like for me, Dairy Queen, dude, the blizzards are like my <laughs> biggest vice, man. Like I could crush those all day. Uh, big blizzard guy, ice cream in general. But with that, like I had a blizzard one night after eating healthy for probably three weeks with no sweets. And I woke up the next morning felting like I was like hung over, like I had this massive headache. I felt terrible. I thought I was sick. And your food really affects your performance. And not a lot of athletes see the value in that. They see the launch angle. They see the throwing programs. They see all this physical stuff, but they don't see the little things, like the mental side, which we'll get to in a minute, or the nutritional side, or mobility, taking care of your body, making sure you're able to function at a high level on a day-in and day-out basis. Um, that's what builds consistency and discipline. And for you, knowing that at a young age, taking that into the rest of your life, Man, you're creating this fountain of youth and wealth in your life, which is incredible. So that fires me up to hear about that, man. I, I really like that. Yeah, well, see, man, with me, it was I was just so, excuse my language, I was so pissed off to 
of that situation, so pissed off that I was I was not good enough, you know, for, for the team or whatever, just whatever you want to call it. Like so pissed off that I wasn't closer to my goal, and I was pissed off to get to my goal. Like like Ray Lewis says, the piss off for greatness. Um, oh and So yes. for me, I, I just I made that that mental decision that I'm gonna do everything it takes to separate myself. Um, you know, everybody could go to the gym, everyone could do the baseball work, but what it was for me, it was what little things can I do to separate myself? And, and so that's where it really, really developed that. Uh, and I was just, I was just so angry. Like I, had, I had so much anger inside of me because, like I said, I've never had the game taken away from me before. And yeah. I don't really know if I was going into that season expecting to play. I mean, I think realistically I, I was looking at it as if I could get like 50 to 75 at-bats this year, get some spot starts, you know, and obviously have the confidence that through those spot starts, I'm going to earn a starting spot. But to start off the season, you know, that's kind of where my mentality was. And so go in at semester and have all that shot down. Uh, it was just, it was a culture shock, man. And so, like I said, I had two, two roads I could have gone down and I picked the, that one because that was kind of, like I said, I was just, I was angry and that's kind of my personality. And it's, I've benefit, benefited from it. Cause that's really kind of not who I've grown into. Um, from that. Yeah, no, you, like, you, you took a challenge, you took adversity, and you used it to fuel you. Like, things don't happen to you, they happen for you. And I think exactly. that happened for you to take this next step and to be able to give back to the world, man. Like, you're impacting so many people right now. You have a huge following on social media. You have so many people who are in your corner pulling for you to do successful things, like, more than just in baseball, but in life in general. And I think that's incredible. And something that I like to preach with our Major League University and just personally in general, man, is I don't want to just help somebody perform better in baseball. Like, that's cool. That's awesome. But I want to help develop them and equip them for life. And I want to build yeah, leaders I, and help that. And you're doing the same thing, and, and you're dominating with that. So that's incredible, man. Like, I, I love it. Um, let's get into the mental side now. So you say you were kind of angry. Uh, you let it fuel you in a way. You let it push you, and, and you took the, the right route, the tougher road, really, and you didn't give up. And that takes a lot of mental toughness. And not a lot of people know what mental toughness is. They don't know how to build it. They don't even have any clue what we're talking about sometimes when we mental the mental side. They think, oh, like, uh, uh, that means you're weak. Well, it's not, tr it's not true at all. Like, once you admit that side of the game, you are so much better. And you got to work on it. So what's the mental side of the game mean to you? How do you focus on the mental side and keep that and prepare uh, with that mentality daily, man? Like, being a professional athlete. I think it kind of goes back to everything we just talked about. Uh, to me, I think the mental side of the game is is where the game is played. Because uh, I think there, I think there really just comes to a point, um, kind of where you've been so many ground balls, you've taken swings, and that's kind of who you are. Um, and and yeah, you can tweak it to, to move a little bit differently, but I think there comes to a point you've just done that so much biomechanically, and that's who you are. So I think the mental side is, is where you get that edge. Uh, you know, like we talked about on my podcast is having an approach at the plate and knowing, <clears throat> excuse me, knowing what you're doing at the plate and what pitch you're looking for, uh, knowing what kind of a hitter you are, being real with yourself and, and understanding what you can and can't do, what pitches you can and can't hit. Um, you know, out in the field, understanding 
what your limits are as far as range wise or how strong your arm is knowing situations um, within the game and I also you know, one of the things that seems to I've, I've kind of noticed through social media I noticed it last year during the baseball season uh, but a lot of there's a lot of people a lot of kids that don't watch baseball and that to me is mind-blowing because Baseball is the only thing I've ever watched. Like go as a kid, man, I used to go to so many Astros games with me and my dad. And yeah. in that time period when they they sucked, um, you know, like that 2011, 2012, I think it was. Um, you know, over the summer, their their tickets at the time were like three dollars for you know the nosebleed tickets. So me and my best friend, man, every time they were at home, we literally would go to every game because we could buy the three dollar tickets and just go sit right on the field because no one was there and uh you know i've posted before about watching games and guys say well i don't watch baseball how do you not watch baseball these guys are the best baseball players in the world and you expect for yourself to get to the major leagues one day but you're not even watching what the best guys in the world do for them to have success and to consistently be there then it just it blows my mind like i don't get it um you know, so I, I think that's one thing, too, is watching what other people do and how they go about their business. And that develops the minds. But, um, but yeah, it's just having a game plan, man, and, and knowing your goals at the end of the day and being real with yourself about the kind of player you are and mm. studying the game and, and continually trying to learn and evolve as a player. Because um, I, I truly believe, you know, preparation and the mentality those are the things that win you the game um you know like how we were talking about slumps the other day yeah um, you know to me that, that that's that's just a mentality that that's an i can't mentality or or a pity me mentality poor me um you know the things you can control is putting a good swing on the ball and or being on time with the ball having rhythm with the pitcher you can control those things but once you make contact with the ball you can't control where it goes or how far it flies or who it goes to. Like you got to control what you can control. So once the ball leaves your back, whatever happens, oh well. Like like let that happen. You can't control that. Uh, you know, I see a lot of guys that, that worry about those things. They worry about so much. And it's like, man, if you would just simplify it, just like you talked about with your approach, if you would simplify it, the game becomes so much easier. Yes. No, absolutely, man. Make the game simpler. It's it's. We make this game out to be so complicated and complex now with all these numbers and different statistics that people have. I even see it on the commercials. There's like, it's it goes spin rate at 95.4, like this, that, this. And I'm like, dude, you're just overwhelming all of these people with all this information. And it's incredible to see that. And I think just the and, more you simplify it, the better, right? And you know what I hate about that, too, is, is not that I don't believe in that stuff, because I do, I do think it has a purpose. Um, and there is some validity to it, but when you're you're showing all these different launch angles and exit velo and all these just different analytics, so you have the guys that are getting paid, uh, you know, in the front office, not the players, but the guys in the front office that are getting paid that are experts at these analytics, and they know what all these numbers and these graphs and these trends mean. They know, they understand how to read them. Yeah. But we're throwing all this stuff out there, and then we have these youth coaches or college coaches, whoever it is. Not saying that they're not experienced, because uh, I don't want to put anybody down, but just what I see is there's a lot of people that I don't think understand how to read those numbers, and so then when they're trying to give that feedback back to someone that they're teaching, they do it wrong. Like I, I've seen people, you know, 
they're trying to teach launch angle, and they had this kid, you know, on the tee hitting the ball straight up in the air. He's dropping his back shoulders. His arms are casting out, but yet the ball is going straight up in the air. So they're saying that's launch angle. Well, no, that's not launch angle because you're creating a long back pass. Your hands are casting out, and you're lagging, in, and you start getting uh, pitched inside. You're gonna get blown up. Yes. Um, so that's the one thing. One thing I don't like about it. It, it, it drives me nuts because it, it's people, you know, uh, they, they want to help. They have good intentions with it, but they, they're not understanding how to read the information. Uh, that was, so one of my mentors that I've known since I was in fourth grade, man, Chase Lambert, he played 13 years of pro ball, nine years of AAA, um, never made it to the bigs, man, but, but he had a wow. story career, man. They said, they called him, uh, Who's the guy from Bull Durham? Uh, they called him the, the guy mm. of Bull Durham of real life baseball. I can't think of the guy's name on top of my head. I can't either. Yeah, um, I'm going blank. But, but so he's uh, a hitting coach in the Rangers organization now. So, you know, I've hit with him every offseason. And this offseason, the Rangers were sitting, sending him to these clinics to really start learning about these analytics. And so, you know, me and him would sit down and talk about these numbers. And he, he would get to the point where he's like, okay, I'm going to – we're going to talk about as much as I am comfortable talking to you about because this is what I, how I understand it. But I am still trying to get a grasp of what all these different numbers mean to to be able to you know fully translate that. Yeah. And like I, I appreciated that because he wasn't trying to feed me BS of stuff that he didn't understand. Yeah. Um, so you know that's that's kind of one of the things that, that gets under my skin uh, is when I see that happening. But. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, definitely. I think it's just, hey, let's simplify it for these kids. Let's help them find a plan and approach, a routine that they can take anywhere they go, on any field, on any day, and then everything else kind of comes into play. I mean, if you put your body and your mind in the right places, you're in a good place to hit. You're in a good place to play your position and to pitch and to do what you need to do to be successful. And I think whatever happens after that, you just got to compete. Uh, you you got to focus on what's in front of you and, and be where your feet are and, and be dominant in the moment moment and and keep working hard for that goal. So, dude, that's that's so real. Um, I want to be respectful of your time as well. I know we've got about fifteen minutes or so here. So before we get lost on this last question, it flows. <laughs> it flows with you, man. I'm telling you, like I don't know what it is, but I could talk to you for hours. I think we're gonna have to do a part two as well. Oh, but so it's just easy. Let's just get a combo on the podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but man, before I get to my last question, let's get into the podcast real quick. The Down in the Dirt podcast. Where can these guys find you? What platforms are you on? And what is your whole goal with this podcast? Yeah, man. So the podcast, like you said at the very beginning, it's uh, five episodes deep. You were episode number five. Let's go. Oh. Number five, baby. Let's go. <laughs> and, uh, so it's on YouTube. My YouTube page, there's a, there's a video feed of it. Uh, SoundCloud, Apple, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. So I think people with Android, Stitcher is where the Android people can, can find it to work the most uh, compatible. Uh, it, it's on my Instagram, too. I made a, I made a uh, Down in the Dirt Instagram page. I haven't really kept up with it. I've been pretty bad about it. Um, so there's an Instagram page for it that I kind of put the updates out there. That's the plan. But, you know, the updates are definitely coming on my main Instagram page, at CarsonB5. Um, you know, 
every week I'll, I'll put the questions on there for people that want to ask myself or the guests you ever going to be on there. I put them on my story so they can ask and get them answered on the show. But man, my purpose is just like like we kind of talked about, just so many different avenues that I've taken. Man, I, my path has been the farthest thing from straight. Gone through a lot of failure, gone through a lot of adversity, and I've just learned to embrace it. I've learned that how that failure, that adversity is what propels you forward. And so that's really what I want to give back. Um, you know, and I also want to give back that I, I think a lot of people kind of have are under the impression that, you know, to play pro ball, you have to get drafted. Um, you know, you get drafted and you go straight to AAA or AA or whatever, and then you're going to be in the big leagues. And, you know, unfortunately, it's not not that simple. There's so many different routes. Um, you know, stops you have to make along the along the route, and then so many different routes you can take to get to the big leagues. Also, um, yep. so that's kind of the other part of the podcast that I want to get back to. Um, you know, so the guys that are in college can have an understanding of how they can continue playing, and then also kind of jump in on recruiting and different aspects of people getting recruited. Um, just I feel like there's a lot of uh, there's not a lot of clarity in the recruiting process. Um, you know, so try to get some clarity into that so that guys aren't freaking out thinking, man, I'm a senior and I haven't signed anywhere. But that there is a place for them to play. Um, they just got to be open-minded. They got to do some self-evaluation. And they also just got to be patient. So those are kind of all the things, you know, that that's fueling me for the podcast is that I really just, I want to be able to give back as much information that I've learned and give it to other people for them to maximize their own abilities for their own careers and, and have these same experiences. Because, man, like I've, my whole life has revolved around baseball, and some people might say, oh, man, that's boring. But, like, my life has been amazing because of baseball, because of the experiences I've had, the places I've got to go, the people I've got to meet, the friendships and relationships I've built. Um, so I'm so you know, grateful for baseball. I think baseball has placed us both in a position to give back and to have a platform to speak out and to give the positivity and, and knowledge and wisdom that we've um, accumulated throughout these years in our experiences to other people going through the same thing. And I think making their decisions a little easier and, and a little more educated to where, hey, I can trust this guy. Hey, I can trust these guys to, to help me get to the next level. And for any advice, and I think for any kids out there, reach out. Like, reach out to guys that are doing it. I mean, you won't believe the amount of people who want to help. They're just waiting for somebody to ask. And if you don't ask questions, you're never going to find out any answers. So I think being a learner of the game, being somebody who's passionate about the game and, and learning each day and, and asking those questions, it's going to only benefit you in your whole life. Um, no, that's awesome, man. I'm excited to see what you guys have coming on that podcast. You're killing it on it, and I love being on the show. I'm so fired up about that. You're, you're going to be on there again for sure. Dude, doubt. always down man, for a dude, part two. Always. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough of what you just said about asking questions. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it, it's a sense of being scared or maybe embarrassed or fear of being wrong, but, you know, best thing you can do is is to swallow that pride and be a sponge and ask as many questions as possible. And, uh, you know, like going back to when I was in high school, that really something that came for me was when I was working out, you know, with the major leaguers. And once I really built a relationship with Jason Bouchard because he was, he no longer became a major leaguer to me. He just became a regular person. Yeah. And he became a friend, you know. And, and you see these guys on TV and you think they're Superman. But I saw the, how normal he was. And uh, that was what allowed me to be comfortable to really kind of just talk to him and, and figure out what he was, you know, 
get his opinions on things. And, and that's what led me on, you know, further on down the road, you know. Now, I'm not scared to ask a question. I'm not scared to be wrong. I'm not scared to reach out or, or to be persistent. If I want to know something or I need help getting somewhere, like, I'm not scared to, to blow you up until you help me or until you tell me, no, stop bothering me, you know, whatever. Like, and that's that's what you got to do because you got to – these guys got to understand that there's millions of people playing around the world. So nobody is going to do it for you. You have to do it for yourself because there's so yes. many different options that, that these people, these coaches, and, and these organizations can take. So you know, why why should they choose you? Why should they choose you? You have to give them a reason to choose you. And uh, you know, so I think that's that's the best thing you can do is to help yourself and to market yourself and just try to learn as much as possible. And swallow that pride and don't be scared to to ask questions and to absorb some knowledge and learn. Mm, swallow your pride, check your ego, and, and go at it full throttle, relentless attitude, just like you're doing. Keep that up, man. That's that's great advice. And it kind of leads into my last question. I was going to ask you, if somebody had 30 seconds to a minute to sit down with you, and I know that's obviously a short amount of time, but if you had to give a kid like a piece of any piece of advice, I mean, you've given ample amounts of advice so far on this podcast. This is unreal. It's loaded with awesome information that people need to hear. Kids need to hear, parents need to hear, everybody needs to hear this. So what would you tell a kid if they came up and just wanted to ask you some questions about, like, how do they get to the next level? How do I take my game to the next level? And how do I stay persistent through these failures that I'm experiencing and things that are happening to me in my life? Uh, ironically, you know, even though I've kind of gone on tangents here talking about, you know, 10 minutes a piece, but ironically for this, my advice would be pretty simple it is, don't give up and don't let somebody tell you no. Um, mm, yes. I've been told I've been told no my whole life. I was told no by my high school coach that I wasn't going to be good enough to play varsity baseball. I was told that I wasn't going to be able to play college baseball. I got to college and I was told that you're not good enough to play for us this year. Um, and you know I ended up transferring and I earned myself um, a Division One opportunity. And you know from there I, I was told once again you're not. You're not good enough to play Division One baseball, so there's nothing I can do for you. I mean, I'm sorry. You're not good enough to play professional baseball, so there's nothing I can do for you. Mm. Um, and, you know, somehow I keep defying all these, you're not good enough. I keep figuring out, you know, how to get around that loophole because I'm supposedly not good enough. Um, so I think that's, you know, don't let anybody tell you no. And if they tell you no, then just put them on the, on. I call it, I don't want to drop any bad words on here but I, I have a list and I think you can imagine what that list is called <laughs> yes. and, and uh, so you know it, you, you go on that list and you're just another person I'm going to prove wrong and um, you know, so I think it's very simple just you got to make sure you're in the right mentality that, that you stay driven and you know you understand that man that you're going to have some, some roadblocks you're going to have some adversities that are going to come up along the way and you just gotta find a way to get through them, and those help you build stronger as a person. They set you up for life because when baseball is over, you gotta become a real person, and you gotta pay bills and have a relationship, and you gotta have kids. That stuff's not gonna be all glorious either, man. Like you're gonna have problems with your wife, you're gonna have problems with your kids, you're gonna have, you may run into financial problems. Uh, so like those those aspects set you up for further on down the road, um, and you got to be strong-minded, got to be strong-willed and learn how to get through them and push through them and understand that where you're at now, if you continue moving forward, that four, five, six months down the road, you're going to be in a different place. Um, You're going to have made 
um, improvements and, and got farther along. So, you know, I know I just want another tangent, but that's what <laughs> no, I mean, just don't, don't give up and don't let somebody tell you no. Exactly. Don't ever give up. Keep pushing. Keep working. Uh, there's glory at the end of the road, and, and even though the tunnel may seem dark, there's a light somewhere shining, even if you can't see it yet. So keep working hard, man. I'm so proud of you and everything you're bringing to the baseball community. I'm so happy that we could connect. I love what you're doing with the Down in the Dirt podcast, and obviously going out to Indie Ball uh, next month here, like you guys are getting that season rolling. I mean, that it's right around the corner. So best of luck to you, Carson. I'm so pumped that you can come on the show, man, and, and keep crushing it out there. I appreciate it, dude. I appreciate you having me on. It means a lot um, you know, for you to ask me to come on your show. So I truly appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, dude, uh, things that we're, we're both doing, man, it's, it's exciting. And I'm glad there's someone else out there besides me that's trying to push this this uh, information out there than what you're doing with MLU. Like, that's going to be a bigger impact than what, than what I'm doing because you're going to have so much – so much uh, information on there that, that you can give guys. So it's exciting, man. So I, I appreciate you, and I thank you for allowing me to come on your show.